Good morning. It is Sunday, April 14th, and of course you're listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a spontaneous discussion between two old friends on the Chicago Cubs and other baseball-related topics. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on ITW, Trevor Rosenthal finally gets it out. Chris Davis finally gets a hit. The Whit Merrifield hitting streak ends. Managers versus middle managers will react to an article in The Athletic, and we'll talk about more as well as this week in the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Tom, we had some technical difficulties last week. We want to maybe give a quick mention of that to our listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, so for, for you out there that tried to search out our show last week on the various uh, social medias that it's available on, um, we were not available because we were not able to do our show last week. We had um, technical difficulties. We won't go into bore you with the details. But as Leo likes to say, the Sun-Times regrets the air. The Sun-Times regrets the air. We did fire the intern, so it was <laughs> yes. tough, but yes. Uh, we, yes. we fired the intern, and we shouldn't be a problem any longer. So right. now, uh, now you got. Hopefully, you got the new. Up. Hopefully, the new intern doesn't mess up our coffee orders. That's I'll just yeah, throw exactly. that out there. Exactly. Exactly. Damn it! I said French roast. All right. So, <laughs> so Tom, you saw your first uh, Cubs game this week of the, I did. the 2019 season. How'd that go? Well, uh, you know, again, Wrigleyville is never going to be the same, and so yeah. I've, I've kind of um, made uh, peace with that. Um, that being said, it's, it's a son of a bitch trying to walk down Clark from the north uh, and to get into the stadium once you're in the um, whatever you call that. Yeah, the, the, uh, green, the green zone or whatever. The, right. right. Yeah. And, and furthermore, because I have a camera with multi lenses, I have to go through this, this you know, the, the terrorist line to, yeah. to carry my bag into the stadium. So once I was able to get up there, I realized that my ticket was in the 300 section. 325 to be exact. Um, and like I mentioned uh, on social media earlier this week, uh, I, the good news is I did have my own Sherpa. Uh, so that was the good news. Yeah, right, right. And, and, but to, to, to questions I'm sure you're going to have is how did the stadium look differently? I saw the one room, I don't, the crystal room, I don't know what they call it, um, but I didn't go inside. So I don't really have anything to report as far as the new – um, restaurant and, and staging room. Like if something happens where it rains, the yeah. idea is the fans will pour into these rooms now, and, and now pay they, $75 for a cocktail. Now you were, you were in the upper deck, right? Yeah. So, it doesn't get any more upper deck than where I was. But uh, now the, the area where the concession stands used to be in the upper deck, that's now like a lounge. So that's been completely like, and you can't walk in front all the way around, like you used to be able to. You have to go that, all the way around in the back. So that that's is kind correct. of. And how did? And so, did you get any concessions? Did you have access to any concessions? You know, I didn't try because I was so kind of caught up in the game that I, everything we got was at seat side from okay. uh, the vendors. But so that was one thing I didn't really kind of check out. But it, it it begs the question when you're talking between the second and the third level about that access around the state uh, stadium. I that. I didn't even think about that, but you're 100% right. Because I'm really curious about that. And my favorite seat is actually in the upper deck, but in that first tier of seats. Right. You know, they kind right. of hang over. That, Correct. For me, that if you're between the bases, you know, between first base and third, that's the best seat at Wrigley Field, in my opinion. 
So well, I like the bishop seats behind home plate, eleven rows up. Those well, are awfully yeah. good, I have to say. But I see, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. And but this is like the third deck. This isn't the second deck. Yeah. We're right. we're, that, well, so. it's just there's only one deck. You know what I mean? But uh, but I know what you mean. It's it's the it's the second level of the upper deck, and that's going all the way up to the rafters. So yeah, under- there's, there's an actual separation in railing, though. It, that's why yeah. I'm saying it's it's a it's a. I, I didn't think so either until I actually had to kind of go all the way up there. I'm like, oh, I've, I've never sat I've never sat up here before. Yeah, but actually, though, it's not too bad of a seat at Wrigley as long no. as you're between the baselines there or is the bases. No, yeah, there, yeah, unless you have a pole in front of you, there is no bad seat at Wrigley. Yeah, and that's the best thing about uh, going to see ball games there. All right, well, let's get to uh, what we're here to discuss, and we'll start with uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. I knew they were good. I knew they would be good. I just didn't think they'd be this good. They're the best team in baseball right now. Yeah, well, you know, they were the best team in the second half of baseball last year, if I'm not mistaken. They Mm. had one of the best records. So this can't be that shocking. Um, They have one of the best pitchers um, who also almost threw a no-hitter yesterday, by the way, Snell, down in Tampa. Um, So I'm not really surprised. The part that scares me about Tampa is they use openers, and I can't stand openers. I think they should – they should ban it somehow, but they can't really. They can't do it. I think they're just doing what they can to compete. You know, I, I, oh yeah, it's out of desperation. They don't want it, to do it. They have yeah. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're living in that division with the Yankees and the Red Sox, and 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 their huge salaries, and you know, right. they they have to find a way to compete in that tiny market that they're living in. And I really admire it. I, I'm I'm very excited. My father, my father's way into the race. He's really? following. Yeah. What, he thinks, what, what is his connection to that? It, it's just that they're doing things in an unorthodox way. That's what right, he always right. appreciates. They're finding a way to, to, to kind of tweak the noses of the big boys and still be successful. You know what I mean? It's, For it's, sure. For sure. So, you know, but uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal, the uh, right-handed relief pitcher of the Washington Nationals, yeah. finally recorded an out and his ERA dropped from infinity to 72.0. And meanwhile, uh, Chris Davis, who is on a huge uh, uh, lack of hitting streak, finally got some hits last night. He went three for five. Right. So he's now, what is it, uh, three for 35, for 30, 38. Three for yeah. 38 on the season after he'd gone 0 for 33. So these are two really inauspicious streaks that have finally ended. Yeah, I want to, we talked about Chris Davis last year about how um, it's awful. It's, well, it, not just that, but it's entirely possible that he had the worst season of any regular major leaguer ever in the history of the game. Yeah, ever. and he's gonna he's gonna repeat that this season. He's but, gonna even go worse. You know, what's interesting was that he, he's gotten a lot of different reactions around. Uh, Baltimore fans have actually been pretty nice to him, but when he went to Boston. Uh, for a three-game series just about five days ago, they were chanting MVP every time he came up to the plate, which, which is a typical Boston Red Sox fan, right? I mean, it's, it is. It is. You know, they're, they're, the worst fans in the world are Philadelphia fans. I've been saying that my whole life. They're, they're just they're, they 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 sometimes get physical. They're just yeah. They're they're abusive. They're boisterous and they're disagreeable. Those are weird combinations. But Boston is right up there yeah they are as, they're as on we as we've noted in the past with their their racial problems um yeah. uh, or, or their racist problems i should say not racial problems they're 
flat out racist. Yeah. Um, and so I just thought that was particularly cruel, even though I could see myself at a certain point in my life drunk yelling it. But I, I just thought it was particularly cruel. It was cruel. It was cruel. But, uh, you know, I don't I mean, they're paying him so much money and he's just so ineffective. Right. I mean, at some point. But what's interesting, too, is that the Orioles haven't been that bad. I mean, they've been able to overcome <laughs> right. it for the most part. And, right. You know, I'm glad. Shocking. Shocking that, that Brandon Hyde has been able to, you know, squeeze some success out of this team. So that's correct. That's Correct. good to hear. So, uh, all right. Uh, well, but you want to say anything about Trevor Rosenthal and former Cardinal? No, no, because I think he's lost velocity, and I think you know th- that he's never going to get it back. That's what I think. I it's just think it's it's, it's just it's interesting. not just this time of year. You know how pitchers struggle at this time of year. Trevor's been struggling for a little while now. It is interesting, though. I mean, to to have an ERA of infinity. I mean, <laughs> I, I I'd seen that one time. Ed Farmer. If you actually yeah. look up Ed Farmer. Uh, I, I don't know if they do this on the baseball reference page, but I have a copy of the baseball encyclopedia. And if you go to that page, it does list his ERA for a single season as being infinity where he didn't get yeah. a single hitter out before he was injured. So, <coughs> well, excuse me. well, if you, if you know me, Ed Farmer is the reason why I hate, grew up hating the White Sox. So I'm not a big right. fan of Ed Farmer. That's all right. That's all right. You can hate him. It's okay. So thank anyway, you. So thank now, you for allowing it. The Royals with Merrifield ends his hitting streak at 31 games. And, and it really yeah. ended um, the, the moment I, I became aware of it. It really <laughs> did. I mean, it, I found out about it and then it was over. So I didn't get to enjoy it at all. Yeah. The, the only thing that was interesting was the, the, the bullshit uh, George Brett talk uh, it locally there in Kansas City. Um, Come on. Just, yeah. Yeah. They, they just to me, it, it put Whit, uh Merrifield in kind of a bad position. Um, because they were trying to compare it. And the reality is, is that he did beat George Brett's record. So, um, But they were saying he didn't beat it because it happened over the course of two seasons. And Right, right. But, but that, it was not just that. It was just the overall love for George Brett. doesn't matter who it was. Brett was going to get that pass. Which... Right, right. Brett, well, Brett is a Hall of Famer. He's highly, yeah. you know, he, he played his entire career in Kansas City. Didn't you once meet him on an airplane, Brett? I did, I did. He's an, he was an arrogant son of a gun, too, yeah. I, I have to say. Yeah, I, I was trying to make nice with him because we were waiting for bags. We are standing next to each other. It was kind of uncomfortable. And I go, you know, what's it like to be, you know, to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? He's like, that's not a, he got really mad. He's like, that's not guaranteed. I'm like, yeah, it is. Well, yeah, it is. He was yeah. trying to be, he was trying yeah, to be Yeah, but modest. it was being, you could you could do it in a gracious way. He did it in a really jerky way. That that's but maybe he was having a bad day. Who knows? But I didn't have a great experience with George Brett. All right, all right. Well, we'll see if we can get in touch with him. Maybe we can remedy that. Okay. <laughs> maybe so, he could send me a candy grant. Now the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates had a big, big sort of battle. They had a where, Donnybrook. Uh, yeah, they had a Donnybrook when uh, Chris Archer threw a pitch. Uh, well, uh, it goes back to Dan Dietrich. Correct. Hits correct. a home run off of Archer, crushes one, hits it all the way into the Allegheny River, and he sort of stands and admires it. And he, you know, I don't know. He, he didn't and, sort of do it. He yeah. stood and he, admired it. He stood and admired it. Yeah, he did. And this goes back to uh, a previous game where Archer had struck him out like four times. And the fourth time was in a kind of a crucial situation late in the game. And Archer kind of went, you know, pumped his fist and went, like yeah, Ar- yeah. Like Archer likes to do. Like he I- likes to do. Right, exactly. So Dietrich kind of gave it back to him in the only way that a hitter can. And so Archer didn't like that. So the next time he comes up, uh, the next time Dietrich comes up, the ball's thrown behind him. 
uh, <laughs> nearly hits him right in the ass. Well, know. welcome to the major leagues. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the bench is empty, even though no one was hit. The bench is empty, and Yasiel Puig freaks out. You know, he's ready to kill somebody. You know, he's coming out and he's ready to fight for the Reds, and they're holding him back. and And it is it is difficult. They are having a hard time keeping this guy, you know, from uh, killing Chris Archer. So, did you see any of this? Yeah. Oh, I saw all of it. Yeah. I the 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 thing that was the most interesting part to me was that Puig for right then and there became an, an all a hero in Cincinnati. He did. More. And, he did. and anything that he adds to this as Cincinnati progresses as a team, and I believe that they will, um, you know, he's, he's, he's just kind of adding to, to his, um, you know, his Cincinnati uh, story. And the, the, the reality is, who knows, Puig may stay there, even though most people don't think he will. But but yeah. if he does, you just don't know what could happen there. So I, I was kind of impressed with Puig in the sense that he's like, he like you need about five guys to hold him down. I'm telling you that you right do, now. You do, because he is I, so strong. Oh, my God. You saw that yeah. yesterday. And I just like the fact that he got real emotional, because if you ask me, watching it and reading the whole story, Archer's a jerk. I mean, there's just no other way of saying it. Archer, he's, he's always he's always kind of played baseball that way. And he and the thing is, when push comes to shove, he hides behind the big guys on his team. That's like a, like a typical coward. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak to that, but but I will say that Archer does. You know, he has a little bit of the showboat in him. Yep. You know, and uh, but that's kind of I think encouraged in today's game. But uh, but I but I also say that you know when Puig first was when I first learned that Puig was going to the Reds I thought boy they're gonna they're gonna hate him when they see all these little antics that he does and how he's kind of a showboat and this and he's that. an emotional player he's an emotional uh, and you, player right. and you yeah. get with that you're gonna get some a lot of immaturity but then there's times like this particular incident where I think the fans are like, I want that guy on my side. Well, I, I really thought that the Reds fans would, would not like him and guys like Marty no. Brennerman would criticize him, but, but you're right. I mean, now that he's done this, he, now that he's defended the honor of the Cincinnati Reds, right. Whatever I mean, that means. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that he is now going to be their hero and he'll be loved all season. And this is the way this Reds team is going to be all season long. They're going to be the reddest of the red asses, okay, right. as they're fighting for respect. They're not going to be pushed around. They're going to fight every single day. And if they can't win on the baseball field, they're going to try to win by fighting you. And uh, did you know that, that there are T-shirts being distributed that have a kind of a painting, a, a sort of a painting representing that fight, you know, with guys trying to hold Puig back? And you can get that on a T-shirt in Cincinnati right now. Isn't that <laughs> you great? Gotta like that. You yeah. got to like that. You know, and then a, a couple of days later, Joey Votto got hit by a pitch. Yeah, he did. And, and what happened? What, what did he do? Well, he gets nailed, you know, uh, left-handed pitcher, and Votto's a left-handed hitter. So the ball comes in and just hits him right in the hip. And uh, the ball bounces forward on the infield grass. And then Votto, Votto takes a step forward. And you're like, is he going to charge the mound? He bends down. <laughs> picks up the ball and underhands it back to the pitcher and takes his base. Right. And, and everybody's like, oh, oh, he's going to – oh, but, but he's not. And then he just sort of <laughs> completely diffuses the situation. And then he's standing at first, and, and everybody's looking at him like – you know, the pitcher's looking at him like, are you okay? And Votto's giving all these gyrations like, no, no, I'm fine. No, no, stay there. Don't put right. the trainer on. I'm okay. No, it's right. good. 
I'm right. fine. It was great. It was really funny. That yeah, was... And plus, if you've ever been hit by a fastball, you know it hurts. And it you can hurt. act any way you want, but it hurts. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Votto's a class act. And you know, I was looking up his stats before today's show. He's really a borderline Hall of Famer statistically. I, I hope he's able to produce for another two or three years because he needs to do it to make the Hall. Yeah. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. He is a Hall of Famer. I just wish the Reds were better, you know, to support him. But, uh, oh, well. That's the way it goes. Now, uh, the Trump administration, and in general, we do not like to talk about politics, but no. this is where it intersects with baseball. Now, the Trump administration shut down the deal that MLB had reached with the Cuban government that allowed players to be posted sort of in the same way that players would come over from Japan, that right. they would have to pay a fee to the Cuban Baseball Federation, and then the players would be allowed to come and play in the United States, earn a salary, and then they'd be able to return home. And that this was very hopeful because now it would end a lot of the dangerous human trafficking that was taking place as Cuban ballplayers would have to escape from Cuba. Correct. And, and the, there were the, all these the, kind the, of... The, the dark backwater yeah. deals where they'd have to live in Mexico for one year to be able to come safely into the United States. The whole thing is bad, but it's, 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 it supports the... Uh, the Trump racial uh, narrative that they're, they're trying to get to their base, which is we're right. not going to relent on the fact that we don't want people of color in this country. Well, I, I don't know. I just I mean, I'm, I'm sad on the one hand because, you know, it really I, there's a lot of great baseball talent in Cuba. Yep. And it's it's unfair that these guys don't get a chance to really play here without making tremendous sacrifices, both financially and also sacrifices for being with their family. You know, and a lot of these, these Cuban ballplayers who are playing here now, who made it over here, they can't play with Cuba during the World Baseball Classic. So, so right, we're not seeing right. the best Cuban baseball teams when those tournaments take place. So that's really bad. It, 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 you know, I don't even understand why this was on the Trump radar. Except why. that Except that it's part of their immigration policy, which that part I understand. I don't agree with it, but I understand. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I just don't I don't understand. This too, you know, what my mother used to say this, too, shall pass. The, the next yeah. president's going to undo a lot of the things that this president did. So, yeah, well, I, I hope it's sooner rather than later. This, this just for no other reason. This needs to change. We need to be able to get these Cuban players in the majors, uh, you know, and we need to stop punishing them you know, for being from where they're from, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it hurts baseball and I'm against anything like that. So, um uh, you know, you posted a thing on about uh, managers. Oh yeah, middle managers. It was yeah, a this great is article. an article in the Athletic uh, by Jason Stark. Another and, great, great and, article. Yeah, great article, and, and the Athletic, I tell you, really does deliver some wonderful stuff. And if you're not a, yep. if you're not a member, if you don't subscribe, you really should. But he 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 cites a conversation that he was having with a general manager during a ball game, and the general manager points to a dugout and he says, "That guy over there." You know, their guy, their manager, yeah. he's a middle manager. Our right. manager is a manager. And he wouldn't say who it was or right. who the GM was talking about. But I thought that was really interesting because, you know, more and more the trend is for these GMs to acquire managers who are just going to be yes men and who are just going to do, you know, what the GM wants them to do. He says, hey, you got to play this guy. you got to bat this guy here. you got to play this guy left, you know. And I, I just think that the title – of a manager or what we perceive of what a manager does has really changed in just the last 10 years. You know, 
All you know, all that's true. Uh, Joe Madden was cited in this article numerous times. He wasn't he was. part of kind of the oral history that was going on with Yost and Bochi, but uh, but but he, but he was cited uh, throughout the entire article. And basically, what he said is, and I agree with him, that it's still a person, a, a people business. Right. And even though he manages with his gut, his heart, and his brain, which is maybe not exactly what would happen in a completely analytical situation, um, you know. The reality is, is that it's still a people people business. And so you can have all these stats, you can have all this stuff, but at the end of the day, the hitter has to hit the ball and the pitcher has to pitch the ball. And so you're always going to need oversight on that, yeah. always. It's kind of like a spotter in NASCAR. You, 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 if you don't have a spotter in NASCAR, you're going to crash. It's just that well, simple. It, it, I really think that, uh, you know, the one thing about the, that I took away from this article is that I'm really, really happy that Joe Madden is managing the uh, Chicago Cubs. I don't Me think there's too. anybody. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, when you think of, when you see the things where you read the things that he's talking about, how, you know, you've got to stay, you've got to stay current in terms of technology and analytics and how he tells these guys who are making fun of it, you know, of the analytical movement and they were laughing at it. And he was telling them, you guys, need to start taking an interest in this because eventually it's going to make you unemployable. Nobody's going to want to work with you. If, if you don't. Not, yeah, if you don't start. And he's right. But he also yep. is right that, that, that it's just about what's, what's beating inside the chest of these individuals. And you've got to treat them like human beings. And you've got to it, find ways to motivate them. You know? he, he has a saying, and I've heard it more than once, and it was cited in this article, numbers have no feelings or emotions whatsoever. Yeah. never forget that and so and, you know yeah. there is a human being involved here <laughs> yeah and that emotions really do play a part nerves all these things play a part in terms of the situation you know so so anyway uh moving on i just got ron darling's book 108 yeah. stitches i uh, picked it up from the glenview library i'm about i don't know an eighth of the way through um i read the lenny dykstra uh piece or part having to do with Lenny Dykstra and oil can Boyd. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it, it, first of all, the book itself, I'm not that impressed with it's, it's a little dull. He likes to, you know, he's here. He is this Yale grad. He likes to think that he can use as many $5 words as he can. I don't know, but there are some decent stories. He does tell a story about how Gary Carter, uh, had his kids, sitting in the players uh, in the players parking lot at Shea Stadium with stacks and stacks of all-star ballots and he had his kids punching this was back when you had to punch the all-star right, ballots right 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 no, he had I know. his kids he was paying his kids to punch the all-star ballots you know why not name. why yeah, not why not exactly I don't, I don't have an issue with that i will tell you i read the whole um uh, the whole uh, sordid story regarding oil can boyd Ugh. and and lenny don't call me bull dykstra um, and it, it seems to me that there's more than just Ron Darling as a witness to this event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I know that uh, Mr. Dykstra is suing Mr. Darling right now. He says think, he is, but, you know. No, no, it's been a, he officially did it. He filed it, okay. Yeah, All right. yeah, All yeah. Right. All right. And for defamation and slander, and I think it's going to get thrown right out of court because, like I said, I think there's witnesses um, to, this, to this event. Right. You're, you're right. And, and, and they're not going to publish a book like this unless they do Correct. their due Correct. diligence and Correct. check the facts. Amundo. Yeah. They're, they're, so, yeah sound, they're... It sounds to me like Oil Can Boyd is going to get subpoenaed. That's yeah. what it sounds like to me. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, moving on. Marcel Ozuna, left fielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, yeah. made one of the most hilarious misplays I'd ever seen. Uh, uh, ever, ever. Yeah. The, uh, I forget who they're playing against, but uh, they, this guy crushes uh, a ball. Or look, oh, it's an L.A. hitter. Kiki Hernandez, that's who it was. Yeah. Took a big swing, and, and Ozuna reacts to the swing, and he thinks it's going to be out. So he runs all the way back to the wall, jumps up on the wall. So there's a kind of step on the pad, padding of the wall, and he's able to get up there. But then he realizes that the ball is not going to clear the wall. So he's got to jump back down on the field, but his cleat catches on the chain link fence and he slips and falls right on his face. The ball bounces and goes over the wall for a ground rule double. And it was hilarious. It it, it was. I kept waiting for Mo Howard to come up and kind of slap him in the face a couple times uh, because, but, and then the, the St. Louis uh, announcers were just, couldn't cover up enough because when I saw once the ball was hit, he turned his back on the ball. That, yeah. that at that moment, it's all over. You don't know where that ball is going to go when you do that. And so he thought it was a home run. You're absolutely right. But as soon as you turn your back on the baseball, you're in big, big trouble out in the outfield. And yeah. that played out. But the announcers are like, you know, he tripped. I'm like, no, he completely misplayed that. He completely well, yeah. misplayed that. It, was, it wasn't a, a, a trip. He, he tripped. That's an after effect. So, yeah. But it was a ridiculous play. And they gave him a – this was what pissed me off. The hitter got a ground rule double, and that should have been an E7, man. Yeah, That should have been an it error. I'm telling you. Well, yeah, that they, was they generally error. that was not a hit. That was an error. That was a catchable baseball. They generally don't give errors unless the ball touches, you know, the fielder. But you're right. Uh, it should have been an error. He should have made the play and he should have paid a little bit more attention because if the ball's out, it's going to be out. You right. Know? And you should just really kind of watch where it's going. It was obviously hit very high and not very, you know, sort of sharply. So anyway. All right. So uh, uh, moving on. We, this would be the first time we've really talked about the White Sox this year, but yeah. e- Eloy Jimenez, this is the guy that the Chicago Cubs traded yep. for Jose Quintana two years ago. He is finally up with the big club, and he hit his first two home runs the other night. Right. And this guy looks like a winner, i got to say. I think he hit him the same night Quintana pitched the gem for the Cubs. He, but yeah, yeah. That's an interrelated yeah. note. But, yeah. it's you know, this is the first of many home runs you're going to see out of this kid. Yeah. And uh, he's he's an enormous talent. He has to be more patient at the plate, uh, but all big hitters have suffered from that. He he has a lot to learn as far as you know, learning the pitchers, learning the league, le- understanding right. how they're going to pitch to him. But I will say that for a big big guy, he has one of the most I don't know controlled yep. swings I've he ever does. seen. He's he a, really does. We yeah. we gave up a lot to get Quintana. Yeah, yeah. I, no I kind of <clears throat> as, as good as Quintana has been yep, most yep. of the time. It might have been nice to have had this guy uh, right now. Correct. But anyway, all right. Well, he'll, so, he'll live a lot longer than Quintana will in the major leagues. That's for sure. That's true. That's true. All right. So uh, Angel Hernandez is uh, alleging that uh, Joe Torrey, who's sort of the head of uh, the rules committee and the head of the umpires and everything, um, mm-hmm. he, he, that he discriminates against minorities. And I read the article that you cited in, uh, in USA Today, and I'm like, I, I, who does he think he is? How, does he really think he has a case? Right. You know, he, he's alleging that 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 Tory has gone out of his way to keep guys like Hernandez and Laz Diaz and other people of color from umpiring big games. But but at the same time, anybody 
who's watched Hernandez over the course of the last 10 years knows that this is one of the worst umpires in baseball. Correct. correct. You know? He has one of the lowest ratings, and the reason why he doesn't get postseason games is because he's a terrible umpire. It has nothing to do with his the color of his skin or his nationality or any of the, that stuff. That, that drives me crazy. And, and you know I'm one of the most progressive yeah. guys in the world. When, when people use race as, as, a, as a card, um, and, it, and, it, and it, there's no founding to it whatsoever except your own insecurities. And so Hernandez is not a very good umpire. And uh, the idea that Tory, the, the son of immigrants, yeah. hello, hello, uh, yeah. he, I mean, come on. It, it's just, it was ridiculous. And uh, Tory's done the right thing, which is to basically not to make any comments on it. And it's just going to go away. Like eventually Hernandez will go away. He needs to retire. You know who Tory's best friend is in baseball? Bob Gibson. Yeah. So, I mean, well, yeah, because they both played for the Cardinals. That makes well, sense. But, but they're, but they're, they're like best friends. They really are. Right. And, uh, which is I, saying something because Gibson is a very, is a tough guy to be friends with. Yeah. Yeah. You brought him into when, when Tory managed the Mets, he brought uh, Gibson in to be his attitude coach. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but anyway, but, uh, but yeah, no, Tory, Tory's not a racist. I don't see any evidence. I mean, the, the, the allegations were, Really vague, and I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of it's going to come out that it, 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 I mean, if this really goes to trial and MLB has to sort of defend itself, it's going to come out just how terrible an umpire Hernandez is and how terrible they think he is. I, I, I this is just another one of these frivolous lawsuits. There's no truth to it. There, if there's any truth to bias in the major leagues. It would be based on ageism, not racism. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there, and and the other article that we talked about, the middle managers versus managers, talks about the fact that these older managers, they're not getting rehired. <laughs> it no. has nothing to do with your skill, the the color of your skin. It has to do with your your chronological age. Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, there's been a rash of contract extensions. There's been even more, and Ozzie Albies of the Atlanta Braves. Just got a uh, kind of a long-term extension. I think they got another eight years. Seven years, thirty-five million. That doesn't seem like a whole lot. No, and and this is being severely criticized across all of baseball, not just by um, the players, uh, but also by the the uh, people in baseball. That this was just a bad deal, um, and they're, they're blaming Elby's uh, agent. Uh, yeah, agent. But Ozzy Elby's is basically saying, "Look, I come from a very small place, and thirty-five million will take care of my family, and that's the reason why I signed." But I think it's. It's shocking where some people estimate that he may be leaving as much as $200 million on the table. Yeah. yeah. And why would you do that? He, he was taken advantage of. He really was. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what. <sighs> no, Acuna got $100 million. And Acuna is really... a better player, but Albies is a pretty good player, too. Yeah. No. It, 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 I, that, that's really what um, this I was is really suspicious. afraid of. Yeah, it this is, is suspicious. suspicious, Leo. Yeah, it is. But, well, anyway, I don't know what can... Nothing. <laughs> so, uh, if you look around the Major League standings, uh, the, the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox have not been very good. Should they be concerned? Yes, but for different reasons. The, the Red Sox have the typical hangover, World Series hangover malaise that seems to affect every team in this last uh, decade. But the Yankees is a different issue. They have now have 12 players on the uh, injured list. Yep. And um, 
12. And, and, and that includes and, their best pitcher. That includes some of their best you know, right, players. Right, right. Yeah. So I think it's for different reasons. I really do believe that the Yankees are better than the Red Sox this year. And so we'll see if that is played out through the course of 160 games. I suspect it will be. But you don't ever like it when uh, your team starts out this way. That's the same criticism I have of the Cubs. You don't, typically, you don't see World Series champions start out the way any of these teams are starting out. And uh, the thing about the Red Sox, too, well, I, I would be concerned if I was a Red Sox fan because part of the reason why they haven't been good is Chris Sale has not been good. No, you know, and, no. and when your number one starter has really taken a step back, it makes people sit up and take notice. Also, with the Red Sox, they don't have Kimbrell, so their bullpen I don't think is as good as yeah, it needs but, to be. But they're not getting to the bullpen. And last year they were came out of the gates. They were just a hell beast offensively. That's not happening this year for them either. So, the, you know, the, 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 the interesting thing will be for the, for the Red Sox and Sale is that, you know, he has a big velocity issue and it goes back to the middle of last year is when they first noticed. It. So, you know, this reminds me of the picture of Frank Tanana back in the seventies and Tanana yeah. hit this point too, where his velocity was gone. He was a fastball pitcher. And then he became a crafty, um, you know, guy that could pitch like, like a Maddox, the same thing potentially could happen to sale. If sale, because usually when the velocity goes like this, it doesn't come back. So he's, he needs to adjust um, to that, and hopefully he does because he's a tremendous left-handed pitcher. Otherwise, he he'll, been, yeah. otherwise he'll be out of the majors in 18 months, one of the yeah. two. Yeah, exactly. All right, now, last question before we move on to the Chicago Cubs. Tom, do you think the Tigers are going to contend this year? In no. The Central? No. no, I do okay. not. No, I do not. And it's pretty uh, – it, it, when you break down their team, um, the interesting thing is that they've, they've pitched uh, very, very well, but their hitting is god-awful. They hmm. have – so Wilson Contreras has five home runs for the Cubs. Yeah. That's how many home runs the Tigers have as a team. Wow. Wow. So, but pitching-wise, they're right up there, which, again, supports another theory that I have, which is the teams that have the best ERAs typically are the ones that are the better teams. And right now, Detroit is doing very, very, very well in that area. And the Cubs are not. The Cubs are, have one of the, you know, they're, they're like five and a half runs a game. There's a reason why they're five and eight. And, and, it, goes, and it has everything to do with the pitching. So, well, uh, all right. So let's I don't, move I don't on. think the Tigers are going to hang, and I think that they potentially could finish in last place. That's right. All right. Well, let's move on to the Chicago Cubs. And this is uh, the real. Now we've had the appetizer. Let's have the main course. Uh, after a slow start, the Cubs got on a bit of a roll. They won two of three. They won back-to-back games. They, they won three of four. And they won back-to-back games for the first time before they lost a tough one to the California Angels yesterday. Right. Um, we saw some signs of life from them this week. Uh, and, and sort of maybe the thought was that the sh- things had sort of stabilized over at Wrigley Field. Uh, do you agree? To a certain degree, I do. I, I, you know, I think that uh... – the the loss of Carantini is is a big big uh, hit for the Cubs, but He's I think the backup that, catcher. Yes, their backup right. catcher. But but I was extremely encouraged by some of the ba- the Cubs baseball that I saw this past week, um, you know, including the game that I went to where the Cubs came out to a ten to nothing lead essentially before Lester went out with his little injury. But uh, I think the Cubs have played a lot better this week. Yep, I, they I have. Really do. And, and well, Contreras has been a beast. I mean, he really has. He had two home runs on Friday, 
Right. That was tremendous. But, but he had a really bad at bat yesterday, though. He in did. The, in oh, the later yeah. part of that game. The, and the Striking the, out with the, the pen, with, penultimate yeah. out of the game. Yeah. He was up, and uh, he looked terrible. Terrible yeah. at the plate. Swinging at those outside sliders or whatever that yeah. guy was throwing. He's, 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 he struck out on three of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, he only saw those three pitches. Correct. And he Correct. swung and missed It was every a horrible time. bat at bat. Yeah. Which, you know, when all he needed to do was make contact and he probably would have tied the game. You know, it, it, it just was terrible. You have to be a smarter, more disciplined hitter in that situation. They, I really thought that they were going to come back and win that game. And I was really crushed when they didn't. And uh, that, but, but, you know, it's a good thing at least that they were in it. Uh, you can say that, but uh, well, the way know. that they're hitting today, I think they're going to be in most games because as as the starting uh, pitching that they face uh, segues into the bullpens around the league. A lot of the bullpens have the same problems we have. That's mm. what I think. That's true, and and that's really been the problem. You know, they, they brought guys in in the in, in middle relief against California, and they just could not throw strikes. Correct. They gave up two. Bases loaded walks. I mean, for God's sake, I know, just I know. Let I know. him put it in play. That was you very. Know? That was very Carl Edwards. <laughs> well, you've uh, got um, the best. You've got one of the best defenses in baseball. I right. Mean, correct. Play to that strength. That's why Lester. To... Lester does that every time he goes takes to the mound. He's like, you guys, hit the ball to my guys, and they'll make the plays, and you'll be out. And you'll be out exactly. Lester understands that. Why don't these pitchers? I, I understand don't. It? I don't understand it at all. But uh, you know. Uh, speaking of good pitching, the fact is Quintana, uh, Quintana and Hamels oh. pitched brilliantly. Hamels particularly. Yeah. I watched that game. I that know was a great did. game. That was a yeah. great game by him. I, yeah. I think he could have finished that game. In the old days, he would have. In the old days, he would have. He was at 100 pitches. I didn't think he would finish the ninth, but you're absolutely right. He could have. You know, And he looked great, and he – you saved the bullpen, although for what I don't know because it was so bad the <laughs> right. next day. But but uh, but you know it was it was nice to see that both of those left-handed pitchers, who the Cubs have kind of invested a lot in, yep. you know, yep. uh, I mean they're paying Hamels twenty million a year, and they had given up Jimenez to get uh, Quintana over here. It's good to see some of uh, the, the Cubs getting some of that back in terms of production. And not not you know. just that, I think. You is making improvements each start he comes out. You got to remember he he's coming off of a an injury that takes most pitchers a while to to get right. And I just see a lot of encouraging things with him. The guy I don't see encouragement with is Mr. Hendricks, the professor. He's been really? disappointing. I find that his his he throws a ball that's high up in the strike zone that a lot of hitters in the true outcome age are ready to crush out of the ballpark. And so um, I just I hopefully Hendricks is just going through a, a rut right now. I don't know what it is, but he's not he's not pitching very well. The other guys have have excuses, particularly you. Yeah, um, have yeah. excuses. So I, I, I don't know. I, that, that's one little weakness. And then obviously the bullpen is another weakness. They brought in these guys like I like Brock on one yeah. day and then the next day I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's he's very he's very. Uh, uh, He's up and down. Volatile. Volatile yeah. in his pitches. Yeah, no, you're right. And Kinsler's, I guess, has been okay. But uh, Rosario hasn't been, you know, hasn't thrown strikes the way he did last year. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that can be figured out. And you're right. A lot of teams have the same problem, you know. But um, And I'm confident the Cubs can figure it out. But, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer sooner rather than later. That's Me too. Me too. So, um, 
And, uh, you know, we were kind of looking forward to seeing Mike Trout this weekend, but he has Me a strained too. groin. And, uh, you know, the, unless the Cubs play the Angels in the World Series, Mike Trout isn't going to play at Wrigley Field for another six years, you know. So Yeah, you know, when you put it, when you put it that way, that's kind of uh, – that's no, you mean another three years, right? No, oh, no, think, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Another five years, I think. Another five years, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, it's, but either way, it's sad because he's baseball's best player and you always want to see him. And I certainly would like to see what he could do at Wrigley Field, which is scary to even think about. Yeah. Um, so in, in last night's game, uh, yesterday's game, I should say, the very last batter was um, Kyle Schwarber. Kyle, yeah. And Kyle, Kyle Schwarber um, worked, um, worked Three, two, to a 3-2 count and yeah. then was called out swinging uh, by the third base coach. Uh, the on third the base third, umpire. The third base uh, umpire, I'm sorry. And uh, Schwarber goes nuts. I yeah, mean, it was, that's uh, the first time swing. I've ever seen him lose his cool like this. He did lose his cool. And it was a check. So in my opinion, you know, I think Schwarber had an argument, but at the same time, it was close enough that it could have been called either way. Right. You know, if, you, if you want to be objective, you know, it, it could have been called either way. And he'd had a check swing earlier in the bat in the at bat that he had gotten, you know, he'd gotten the benefit of the doubt on where it was called. It looked like a strike to me. I got to be honest with you. It looked like a strike to me. Well, I, you know, I appreciate your objectivity. I think it could have gone either way is what I think. But I think it was, I think it was less a reflection of the umpire, but more a reflection of how bad a day he had been having, you know, because he had struck out like a number of times that day. He was 0 for 4. It just, but it just didn't look good. It left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. It really. The did. question is because but his behavior know. was so over the top. Will he be suspended? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think he'll at least be fined. Yeah, I mean, he, he basically was threatening the umpire. And I guess the question I would have to make if I was adjudicating adjudicating this case is if no one was there to stop him, what would have happened? Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, and and go back to Yesiel Puig. Right. If no one was there to stop Yesiel Puig. Would Chris Archer have his arms? Yeah, but that's, I mean, he wasn't going after an umpire like Schwarber was. That's Yeah, that's so, right. That's I, I right. don't know. That's right. Anyway, so, uh, all right. Now, you, you made a mention of uh, – well, why don't you introduce Yeah, yourself? so um, obviously everybody knows that um, leading into this baseball season, the Tom Ricketts emails, his racist emails, were leaked to the media, and the Cubs had to, to, uh, had to do a, a fair amount of trying to clean that up. From an image standpoint, um, this is one thing I did notice around the stadium, that they have these old nostalgic pictures and signs that they've posted in, in the inside of the ballpark. And apparently right. in the press box, they put up and, uh, you know, something from the 30s or something like that was an old sign uh, that said a lot of different things. But in the small print below, it said no women uh, admitted, and which, oh, which was the truth way back when. And, of course, the Cubs have since taking it down, but they took a beating on Twitter over this. I mean, is this, is this such a big deal? Is this no, insensitive it, no, on it their part? No, it will be remembered in a month, but it's just it's the world that we live in when, when you ha- you, you know, you're going to see things like this. To me, I thought this was over the top. You know, you should, it, maybe they shouldn't have put this sign up, but it was clearly a sign from the 1930s. It wasn't like they were trying, that they were a proponent of to that. To keep women they out. They were just showing some, baseball yeah, right, history. Right. I, sometimes we're just a little too sensitive about these things, if you ask me. You know, there's a bar in Cincinnati called Arnold's, and it's the oldest bar in the right. city. It's actually a bar and a restaurant. 
over 150 years old. And, you know, if you go to the front of it, it has two doors. Right. And one is the main entrance to the bar and the restaurant. And the other is kind of, it used to be an entrance, but now it's sort of, it's not boarded up, but you don't go in that way. And over that second door, it says women's entrance, you know, and it's just a reflection of just how old right. the bar right. is. And nobody gets pissed off about that. Right, I don't right. Know. Sometimes you're so, being overly, you know. in that particular case, if they still honored that, that's another story. If that right. was the reality, that's another story. But it's not the reality. Stop being so sensitive. And or, or if it was, if it was somehow implied that that's the way they wanted. Correct. It, correct. That would be a different I agree. Story, I you know, completely agree. Just sometimes, just lighten up, people. Exactly. Now uh, Scott Sanderson, uh, right-handed pitcher who pitched most of his career with the Chicago Cubs, passed away at the age of sixty-two. A very young man. This is a man who pitched nineteen years in the major leagues with the Expos. The Cubs, the A's, the Yankees, hey, Giants, the White Sox. He won 160 you know. games. I mean, uh, that, that's yeah. significant. Anytime you do that, that's that's significant. 163 and 143, which is yep. decent. You know, he made an, one all-star team and uh, 27 career uh, wins above replacement. Right. He never won you know? 20 games. And, uh, you know, I always – the thing – I always look at – pitcher strikeouts nowadays because uh we didn't talk about this but we should have cc sabathia is very close to 3,000 strikeouts and i think if you get to 3,000 strikeouts um at some point you're going to get hall of fame uh consideration just for that um even though he's won i think more than 250 games so he may get it for another reason but uh the reason uh was mr sanderson I digress here. His strikeouts were about, what, 1,700, 1,600, 1,600. Yeah, 1,600. And a very nice guy, a good ambassador of the game, a fairly decent announcer in his own right. So pretty sad to see Scott Sanderson go. One thing I love about baseball reference is the Jaws ratings list him as the 377th best pitcher of that, that's a, That's pretty so, damn good if you think about the yeah, game that's been going on so long it, it's pretty pretty good no he had a really nice career he did and uh, all right so um all right let's move on to this week in baseball history i got a few nuggets for you um april 8th <clears throat> excuse me 1953 bernice lombardi finds her husband ernie lying on the bed after the former major league catcher slits his throat from ear to ear with a razor he found in a relative's bathroom the former Reds backstop battling a similar bout of depression that caused his teammate Willie Herzberger to commit Hirschberger to commit suicide in 1940. He's given very little hope to live at the time, but he does survive the horrific self-inflicted wound. So wow. that was very I, scary. I have to say, I yeah. did not know that. I did yeah. not know that. Tried to cut his throat. Uh, April 8th, 1974, of course, you will remember this. Hank Aaron passes oh, yeah. Babe Ruth as the all-time home run leader. Very, man, I admire very, very much. Very, I, very I, much. A lot of props I watched that, to Hammer. I watched that home run in the, uh, in the uh, master bedroom of our massive house that we grew up in with my brother Brian. It was a great moment just sitting in front of that TV, that basically a black and white slash color TV. It might as well have been black and white. Allegedly, it was a color TV. Uh, and just seeing the, that, and, and I just remember that leading up to that because that was the beginning of the season. He actually tied Ruth, I think, on the last game of the previous season. 
And, and, That's correct. Uh, and so it was a carryover into the next year and just all the racial crap that Aaron, unfortunately, had to deal with. And yet, it yeah. just was it was a great moment. And he ultimately talent won out. He was triumphant and it was great to see. It really was. I have a tremendous amount of admiration for the for Hank Aaron. Just a great player. All right. April 9th, 1977. Ray Kroc, after a terrible start by the San Diego Padres, they're getting pummeled. Uh, by uh, they're getting pummeled. He gets on the PA system <laughs> and says, I have never seen such stupid ball playing in my life. And, and this is during the home opener against Houston. And, uh, and at the start, you know, and this is in the eighth inning and he starts yelling about how bad the players are and how sorry he is for the fans who paid such good money. And then at one point while he's doing this tirade, a streaker runs on the field and Croc says, Get that streaker out of here. Get him the hell out of here. Throw him in jail. And he's just doing this all over the piece. And, and he ended it by so. saying, do you want any fries with that? <laughs> well, I don't know. That was really funny. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, so I, I, I vaguely seen... remember when that actually happened. And Croc was, uh, he loved his son. No, as do I. Padres, but not enough to make them a competitive team. So. <laughs> All right, last one. This is the last one, and it has a, a connection with the Detroit yeah. Tigers. Wade Boggs is intentionally walked three times, tying a major league mark for a nine-inning game. This is April 9th, 1990. Yeah. Tiger manager Sparky Anderson's strategy pays off in preventing additional runs from scoring. What I mean, Sparky did that all the Sparky for, did that all the time with the lead hitters. He used to do that with George Brett all the time. If George Brett was in any type of a run-driving <coughs> position, he would take first base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and and I think he was right to do it, even though Detroit lost the game four to two. But uh, thanks for bringing but, that up. Uh, that's, yeah, exactly. Uh, but the nineteen ninety were the were the Tigers any good that year? I don't. I can't even. Uh, no, they, probably they were, not. As I recall, that era was the beginning of the Rob Deere, Mickey Tuttleton, um, Cecil Pretzel, yeah. Cecil Fielder era and le- the all hit no pitch Tigers, yeah, well they, they had a really good uh closer as i recall mike henneman if, if i'm not mistaken he, yeah they did so leading, yeah. to answer your question in a, in a long drawn out way leading up to 1990 they were very competitive and then i think they started to right. go a little bit downhill yeah they did they did and then anderson gets fired no but that course, wasn't that wasn't until like 96 or 90s he, he was the manager for a while after that Right, right. No, he wasn't. Yeah, but 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 you could see that uh, it, it all sort of starts to go into decline. Well, Sparky refused. Sparky refused to uh, manage the uh, scab players. That was that. Yeah. that was what yep. did him in. But really, yeah. really, yep, he would not do it. Good, good right, for Sparky. Exactly. Good I think for Sparky, Sparky proved, was proven to be correct in the deal. But anyways, yeah, I, we yeah, he was. All right. So, uh, well, that's it. That's all I got. And uh, it's been a great conversation as always. We're glad to be back yeah. on the air. Uh, seem to have solved our technical difficulties and look forward to uh, getting this episode out. All right, Tom, I'll talk have to you next week. week.